0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your
1: money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems.
0: Well, John, I think we have a great show lineup for today. We got, um, you know, an interesting topic here about active managers again that we're talking about.
1: Yeah, you know, you look at mutual fund statistics, and we we just have seen some recent stats coming from DFA, who's a mutual fund company that we partnered with, and uh, most um, most mutual fund managers, professionals, don't beat their indexes over 15 years. So market I mean. timing and <clears throat>
0: stock picking just isn't working like it used to. Yeah,
1: huh? that's right. That's right. It's a different different times, and really, it's. it's it's pretty consistent. I mean, even these professionals that have all these resources and been doing it for decades and decades don't beat their targets. And it just goes, it speaks volumes. It really does. So we're going to dive into some of the stats on that.
0: Yeah, I think it's very interesting. When you start measuring up over long periods of time, you see that the, the numbers just aren't there. You know, so I, I like that. That'll be a good topic. And then we're going to follow that up with another one. Um, the six real reasons you don't save enough. Um yeah, I mean, we all make excuses, don't we, you know, about why we're not saving. and uh, But we got the real reasons, cutting through the chase here, going <laughs> right to the heart of the issue. The six reasons you may not be saving enough and you can't get on budget and get on track for retirement. So uh, stick around for that. That will be very interesting. Um, but, John, uh, before we jump into those... Um, I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20 years experience of providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years.
0: And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon, um, you can pull them up off our website, right? Yeah,
1: go to the website, moneymd.net. We have a link on the right-hand corner. You can click that link, and it will take you to our uh, podcast site. And we have all the podcasts there for the last couple of months, and we have them categorized as well. So we make it easy to listen to the money doctors.
0: And you can also listen straight off our other website, too. Um, our yes, com. Yep. yep. Yep, exactly. Um, And you can reach us by email, too. We'd love to hear your questions. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net.
1: We also have a Facebook page. We we post a lot of information out there. We have uh, videos out there, a lot of good feedback from folks looking out there. So when you're on Facebook next time, go go, uh, type in MoneyMD, and you'll uh, see us come up. Yeah,
0: exactly. Great. Great point. Okay, and that leads us up here to our... First topic. Well, first is the financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, this comes from the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. And, Steve, this is interesting. Um, you know, we, we try to coach our clients. Um, one of the goals is um, to have your home paid off going into retirement. It just takes a little stress off of you. You have less fixed payments going out the door, and it makes your money go a lot further. And um, only two out of every five homeowners, about 40 percent between the ages of 65 and 74, have their home free and clear of debt. So less than 50% wow. of 65 to 74 year olds um have paid off their house. So, you know, when you have fixed payments coming in whether it's um pensions or um you know, social security and things like that, it makes it much more tight.
0: Yeah, that's too bad because I mean, that is so critical <laughs> to have your house paid off before retirement and all your debts cleared before retirement. Because it really does give you the financial freedom to enjoy retirement without the stress and the strain of having to make those kind of monthly obligations um, and payments. So uh, we highly encourage you to get on track, make sure you're on track with your retirement planning to be totally out of debt by retirement. But um, that's a great financial fact of the week. Yeah, All right, and that leads up to our first topic here. Yeah,
1: first first topic comes up from uh, CNBC, and uh, kind of challenging times, Steve. When we look at uh, active mutual fund managers, almost none have beaten the market over the last fifteen years, and. This is um, uh, right up uh, the the alley, the stats that we see um, from the mutual fund industry. And, um, you know, active funds, they really stumbled through another brutal year last year with barely one in three large cap managers able to beat the S&P 500. And, uh, you know, the news got worse farther down the scale, like 89%. Uh, of the mid-cap managers failed short, and 86% of small-cap managers missed last year as well. And when you look over longer time frames, Steve, it doesn't get any better. I mean, whether you're looking at 1, 3, 5, 10, or 15-year time spans, <coughs> most mutual fund managers do not beat their indexes. I, I will say that DFA has done... Some research into this, and about 86% of DFA funds have beaten their indexes over time, which is you know much better than yeah, than the 17% that is a mutual fund average.
0: Yeah, that's remarkable, um, and it really speaks volumes to this debate that's been going on for decades now about active versus passive management, and you know the seemingly annual predictions that stock picking will finally prevail over time, um, but. You know, active managers. I mean, what they do is they will receive funds which move in and out of the market, and in and out of individual stocks, um, utilizing, utilizing a variety of strategies. While passive funds, um, which are really asset allocation type funds that are strategically allocated, um, they track indexes and they don't they don't employ managers that try to actively pick the next stock or mute or, or are you know investment that's going to outperform the market. They don't try to time the market. They simply stay diversified um you know for the long haul. That's mm-hmm. what a passive fund does and then they just rebalance based on a more disciplined process. So that's the argument here, and that's been the, the ongoing debate for, for decades. Yeah, that's right.
1: And investors, I mean, they've been putting a lot of money into passive strategies. ETFs, or exchange-traded funds, um, which track you know indexes, they saw record inflows in uh, in 2016, about $500 billion uh, while active um, uh, mutual funds. They had outflows of about $340 billion, and that's according to Morningstar. So a lot of movement of money, is happening out in the marketplace, and it's it's been a dismal backdrop and a dismal environment for active fund managers. I mean, the numbers prove that. Um, does that mean that the environment will last forever? Um, who knows? I mean, markets certainly go in cycles, um, but uh, this um, gentleman, Nick Colas who is uh, from Convergence, believes that a decline in correlations or the tendency of stocks to move in unison has been pronounced um, you know, during the cur- current bull market. And he thinks the active managers will look on, at uh, capitalizing on pricing discrepancies. So he's saying it's going to be better going forward. Um, you know, the, historically, the, the data doesn't show that.
0: Yeah, that's what they always say, you know. But uh, long term, it doesn't seem to pan out that way. Yeah, but the latest report on active management performance in the, the closely watched uh, uh, Spiva – Uh, scorecard from S&P. They paint an even bleaker picture over the long term. For the first time, the scorecard tracked 15-year performance to capture what it considers to be a complete market cycle. And in that period, 92.2% of large cap managers missed their marks, while the number was 95.4% for mid-cap and 93% for small caps. Um, So it's probably no wonder then that more than 58% of U.S. stock funds either folded or merged during the past 15-year period time frame because they underperformed the market. I mean, you know, stock picking market timing just simply doesn't work. I don't know how long we have to have this debate, but it's interesting that – it just goes on and on.
1: Yeah, it is, 58%. I mean, that's a big number, Steve. I mean, so if you're in one of those funds that, that underperformed, and some of them underperformed significantly, and they roll your money into a new fund, that doesn't help your, your performance. No. It's I just, mean, it, it is what it is once you've gone through it.
0: For them, it's just kind of a shell game, you know. They kind of do away with their past performance by merging it into a new fund,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but it's the same. It's the same thing. It's just under a different shell.
1: Yeah, to be sure, the scorecard is uh, sometimes discounted because S and P sells index products. However, the underperformance of the active jibes, at least in a broad sense, with the, the measures from other sources on Wall Street and what we see with DFA as well. Uh, Morgan Chase, for instance, reported that active managers actually have gotten off to a, a better start in 2017, but the beat rate for large cap is barely... Uh, more than half at 52%. So, you know, there are still a lot of advocates for active management. Um, firms out there and they're stressing to investors that they need to that need to know what uh, managers to look for. Um, the strategy, the market conditions. There's a gentleman named Bob Dole, um, not not the uh, ex-president or the, yeah, the yeah, president not of the candidate. Politician, That's the right. Uh, he's with uh, Nuveen Asset Management. He said market conditions are conducive this year. Uh, for his side of Wall Street, the active side is what he's saying. And among, among them, he's saying, hey, small cap stocks are going to perform very, very well. Well, they did in 2016 as well. They did. Um, he's saying international is going to outperform the U.S. And uh, value stocks are going to top growth. By a wide margin is what he's predicting and uh, among these factors are tailwinds that enable active managers given their portfolio construction to win and he's saying we're heading into that uh, type of environment um, and he sent out a video presentation to his clients so he's saying this is going to be a good year and you know, we're not trying to hear we're not here trying to predict or project anything here um, the data speaks Volumes over the last 15 years, um, so there will certainly be cycles that we go into. But investors who wanna, who want the possibility of getting outsized returns, he's saying, need to screen managers uh, for various qualities, um, product management, you know, some analytics and so forth. And you know, so y- you got to spend some time if you're out there looking. It's very difficult. There's there's thousands and thousands of mutual funds, and um, we just saw that you know 58% of them closed over the last 15 years. Um, And most of them don't beat their indexes. So you got to be careful.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the moral of the story really is that you need to diversify. And if you want higher returns, you need to weight your portfolios toward asset classes that historically have given higher returns. You know, I mean, they talk about these strategies of doing screens and, you know, doing these things that that supposedly would find active managers that have beaten – uh, the market so to speak but um, I just think it proves it, it doesn't work. I mean these studies show that over a 15 year period they fall short yeah. um, but there are asset classes that historically have given higher returns like small and value and gross profitability stocks. Um, you know, Those have been shown over decades you know not 15 year periods even over 80 years mm-hmm. that they give a higher return. So if you want a higher return you can be aggressive by diversifying toward Value and small, yep. but not by stock picking and market timing.
1: And you know what's interesting? The ones that do beat the indexes over 15 years, if you look at their performance over the next 10 years, only a third of those actually would outperform the indexes. So it's not a, it's not an easy, it's almost in, an impossible task to to get a good long-term mutual fund that you can stick with. So
0: yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, you know, stay away from that game of trying to pick the next hot fund manager. Instead, diversify and just weight your portfolio toward asset classes that will give you a better return historically. So, good topic. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, uh, can I set up a Roth IRA for my adult son? I had that conversation with the client this last week, and so the first question is, is uh, well, adult, so it's over 18, so that's uh, that's one thing. The account would have to be set up in their their name, the son's name. Because they are an adult. Um, and then the next question is: Is do they have earned income? So do they have a job? And uh, the answer is yes. And yeah, you can you can set up. Um, they have to sign all the paperwork and yeah, so forth. I mean, but they're
0: really setting it up. They're I mean, really setting I mean, it up. You but can you facilitate can, it.
1: You can bring them into the office and we'll sit down together and talk about it. But sure. it would definitely be in their name. They would have to sign the documents and you know as far as funding and so forth. Um, you know you can gift money too to yeah, your yeah. kids. So you can certainly help them out with that.
0: You can write the check. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure your son will will appreciate that. That's very right. Much, yeah, that's so. right do that right the check and uh yeah that's that's a good way of doing it all right um the six real reasons you're not you don't you don't save enough um you know yeah i mean this is a really important topic you know because people think that they um you know they make excuses for for not saving enough money and as an advisor working with clients i mean um you know it's often a lesson in psychology i mean I can't tell you how many times we've heard the same <clears> old <throat> excuses for why people aren't saving more money or saving at all, you know, and the truth is, these excuses just cover up for chronic self-sabotaging behaviors, and, you know, we can all relate to this, um, you know, we've used a few of them ourselves, um, but we, we have a financial demons that lurk in our subconscious, and they get in the way of us making smarter money decisions. And whether they stem from our childhood, our experiences with peers or partners, or even our DNA, I mean, these negative messages remain in the background of our minds, and they're clouding our better judgment when it comes to saving money.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, women seem sometimes more, you know, susceptible than men. I mean, studies show that women, they save less than men, they invest less than men, and, you know, often they have um, less financial plans. You know, they do the planning process less than men as well. And on the flip side of that, they live longer um, than men. They they make less, and they a lot of them sacrifice earnings, you know, to stay at home and take care of um, the housing piece of the equation for the families, which is obviously very, very important. Um, so, you know, they also go through divorces. They're more vulnerable sometimes on that, uh, on that uh, process, and they become widowed earlier. So clearly the need for saving for women is greater today than ever before. So um, this is not just for women. It's certainly for men as well, but women are particularly susceptible to that.
0: Yeah, that's right. So why aren't you saving enough? Well, the key to your success lies in your ability to understand and confront the truth behind your excuses. And then it's a matter of taking a few simple steps to break the cycle of bad money behavior. So here are six common excuses that people use and the real reasons behind them and what you can do to change it. So number one here is you might say I don't have anything left to save Okay, after the bills are paid. The translation though is you spend everything that you make so you don't have anything left over. You know, it's all too easy to have our hard-earned money vanish in a few quick swipes of the card or clicks of a button, Um, and without making a conscious effort, though, to set aside savings on a monthly basis, you will most likely spend all of your income and not have anything left over, and doing so, you know, gives you the excuse that you don't have anything left to save, Um, so you don't, so... That's not a great excuse, right? Yeah, that's right. So
1: the solution, you gotta automate it. I mean set up an exactly. automatic paycheck deduction to contribute to your four hundred one K or uh, you know, recurring transfer from your checking account to an IRA and that'll force you to save, even if you don't think you can. So start by maxing out the amount that you can contribute to your retirement account each month and at least do the amount that your employer matches and you can obviously scale it back if you need to, but aim to also transfer a hundred dollars each month into a, a curveball account or a periodic uh oh. Account. This will help you keep out of debt so you have some, you know, an emergency fund that can kind of cover some some uh ohs as you go through life.
0: Yeah, and make it automatic. I like that. That's a good one. Next one here on the list is you know, you say, I deserve this and this and this, and it goes on and on. You, Mm -hmm. You just keep thinking you deserve everything you buy. The translation is you're trying to fill an emotional void. You know, spa treatment, new pair of shoes here, weekend getaway, extra round of drinks there. I mean, it's easy to justify overspending, you know, and the occasional indulgence is, is okay. But remember that allowing yourselves too many treats will undermine your savings goals. So whether it's insecurity, jealousy, sadness, anxiety, emotions are a powerful uh, fuel for frivolous spending that can add up uh, to a lot of spending and ultimately can add the stress that triggers it in the first place. So the solution here is to reframe your thinking around what you deserve. Sure, I mean, splurging can provide tempor- a temporary fix for your emotional void, but the the high only lasts for a brief time. Yeah, even worse, it's usually followed by guilt and regret. I mean, you don't deserve financial security and a comfortable retirement more than the, the fleeting buzz of instant gratification, don't you? So you do. The point is, remind yourselves of this on a regular basis. You know, you want financial security and a comfortable retirement, and you need that more than this fleeting gratification that you get. So um, that that's that one. And the next on the list here is what you say. You say that I'll save more when it makes more. So your excuse is mm-hmm. you're not going to say not because it it's enough. not making enough. Exactly. <clears throat> because you're not making enough. Um, so when I make more. The translation is you're a chronic procrastinator. You know, it's easy to use the excuse of bad timing to justify putting off what you should be doing now. But the fact is that you may not earn more in the future or as soon as you, you, you do... Um, or not as soon as you hope you can. Um, and most procrastinators do ultimately make more money, but they end up increasing their lifestyles to match their increased income, only perpetuating the vicious cycle of not saving. So the solution is start saving right now, even if you it, it, it's seemingly insignificant amount of money that you're saving. The sooner you get into the habit of saving money consistently, the better. Then if you do end up making more money. It'll be easier to add to your savings rather than starting from scratch. So remember, the key to long-term wealth is not the timing, but it's time in the market. So get going right now, saving more money.
1: Yeah, that's good. Another one here on the list is um, you have to pay off debt first. And I think Mr. Ramsey would probably not agree with this one necessarily, but um, you know, right. translation is is you're not ready to change your bad habits. I mean, it's easy to use debt as an excuse for not saving, and can make sense if you're you know being charged a high rate of interest every month. However, saving is a good habit that takes practice, and in order to stay out of debt in the future, you need to have some savings. So otherwise, your old bad habits will you know, get the best of you again. So there's a balance there. You certainly have to have an emergency fund to give you some protection first off, and then try to pay your debts um, as quickly as you can. That's the debt snowball that we talk about.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's right. And so the solution is make a commitment to saving something in a separate account every month. In addition to, you know, paying off your debts, you do have to build up an emergency fund. So Dave would certainly be um, for that. And even though you might not pay off your debts as quickly, you can at least help yourself avoid falling further into debt by having an emergency fund available when you do need it. Um, it's also easier to increase your savings once you get into the habit of, of doing it at all, once you get into the habit of saving. So that was number four. Next on the list here is um, I can't even think about the future right now. The translation for that excuse is You don't have a plan. You know, it's amazing how much time we waste watching TV, browsing the aisles and Target, um, the Internet. And yet, few of us take any time to think about, you know, what we want in life and how to get there. I mean, sure, it, it seems, it may seem overwhelming or impossible to achieve, But just taking a few simple steps can help you wrap your brain around what life could be like in the future and motivate you to work toward making it a reality. So the solution is take as little as 15 minutes to consider your financial goals. Set an appointment for yourself on your personal calendar. You know, if necessary, write them down, then prioritize them um, by time frame and by importance then try to assign each goal a target amount. You know This will probably require some calculations, but the next step is setting up dedicated accounts for each of the goals with monthly automatic transfers from your checking account. You know Keep your list of goals in a highly visible place um, or multiple places so that you can be reminded of what's the most important thing um, that you're trying to save for on a regular basis. You know, which will help you keep focused and help keep you accountable.
1: Yeah, that's a good one there. Um, planning is, is something we talk about often. Obviously, the last one here on the list, Steve, is is I have to worry about my family, and the translation is you pay yourself last. I mean, whether you have scaled back uh, on work to be a caretaker, or you're spending all of your discretionary income on your kids uh, and or their college savings. I mean, women a lot of times, all too often, focus on the needs of others. Uh, thereby neglecting their own future security uh, so you know but given all of the statistics regarding women women consistently under earning men living longer and the risk of divorce and widowhood um, women need to be saving more for themselves today than ever before and we do see that I see people that walk in that they're they're helping other people and really if you're not healthy yourself you can't help other people effectively so
0: that's right and so the solution obviously is you got to pay yourself first you know just like you're supposed to put um your own oxygen mask on before your childs in the event of an airplane emergency we all remember those drills
1: mm-hmm.
0: right you should prioritize your own savings in order to ultimately save those you love the most i mean this means dedicating as much income as possible toward maxing out your you know retirement account your 401k or your ira before you contribute anything to an education savings plan or you know spending unnecessarily so You know, pay yourself first and make sure you prioritize your savings ahead of, um, you know, ahead of these other things uh, that you're saving for, these unnecessary spending. Okay, and that brings us up to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week.
1: Yeah, this is the uh, Nerd versus Free Spirit part two. So we talked last week about. Just recognizing that uh, most couples um, kind of fall into one of those two categories. Nerds are uh, like numbers, like budgets, like doing Excel spreadsheets, um, and free spirits don't. They're just not wired that way, And, and the first step is, like we talked about last week, is to recognize kind of where you fall, and these kind of things create money issues with couples a lot of times. So if you can kind of identify with your your role and then discuss it, then it will help it. And if you uh, haven't seen the, the um, Facebook video that Sarah Jane did last week, go back and check that out. And she's also going to be doing another Facebook um, posting this week about how to be a nerd in a free spirit world. And, you know, budgeting for free spirits is difficult, Steve. I mean, so, yeah. but Dave Ramsey has a really neat tool. It's called EveryDollar. So if you go to EveryDollar.com, um, you can you can download it on your phone and you can track your cash flow. So as you're out there spending, you can um, keep track of it and you can also link it to your bank accounts to make it more streamlined. And that's, that's good for the budgeting free spirits. I sat down with a couple um, recently and was – Kind of told him about Dave's terminology between nerd and free spirits, and I asked him kind of where they fell on that spectrum, and they both said free spirits. And I'm like, uh oh, that's a problem. Yeah. No right? Kidding. Because you have neither one of them that are really good or like to do that kind of stuff. And I, so we talk, kind of talked through about. Someone needs to to step up and and take the role of tracking and, you know, putting together the budget. And they understood what I was talking about. But, um, you know, that EveryDollar app, uh, and and, uh, you can use it obviously um, online, on the Internet as well, is a great way for free spirits to keep track of things as you go through um, the day.
0: Yeah, I like it. Good prescription of the week. Okay, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net. To hear more prescriptions for your financial health, do check us on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions at info at or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.
1: Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Smart Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richarding Associates, a registered investment advisor.